with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with gifts as Jesse and has directed him. Jesse is his father. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and ba battle cries. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to meet his brothers. As he was talking <clears throat> with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion, came out amongst them, uh, uh, amongst the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt. Everybody say usual. Usual. Usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. They said, they, they said have you seen the giant? The man asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to who kills him. He will give a man, the man his daughter for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. The last one by itself is good enough. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing the Philistines and ending his defiance on Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyways that... He is allowed, everybody say allowed. Okay. Allowed to defy the army of the living God, verse 27. And then these men came to David with the same, uh, these men gave David the same reply and said, yes, that is the, re the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to, to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyways? Just like a big brother would say to the younger brother. What about those few sheep you're supposed to take care of? Now he's pulling him down. I know, what you, I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. Verse 21. What have I done now? Everybody say, what have I done? David replied, and I was only asking a question. He walked over to the, some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. And when King Saul heard, heard it, King Saul sent for David. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord God, I would like to just thank you for this morning. Thank you for this word. I pray, Lord, that the word would be impactful. And I pray, Lord, that you anoint me to speak your word. And I pray, Lord, that you open up every heart and every ears this morning as it is missions month. And I pray, Lord, that we will begin to attain your heart when it comes to missions. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. All right. So, um, some things I want to point out in the story is that the Israelite army has been here for 40 days. For 40 days. And 40 days, Goliath, every morning and every night, came out and defied the Lord's army, which meant that he was cussing them, he was making fun of them, he was, he, he was calling them names and their God names. And for 40 days, they sat there. Um, and then what I want to point out is the sermon this morning is called Don't Camp. What I want to point out is they were camping there for 40 days, yet there was nothing wrong with camping. They were obedient to the king. They were good citizens. They went to the battlefield. They shout and cried. They would have, I believe they would have fought if it came to it. And they were brave men. I'm not even sure if I would go if I was them. Because when there's a challenge in Eastern culture, when there's a challenge by a warrior on the other army, Usually another warrior or the king would come out. So for 40 days, nobody has said anything. King Saul, who was the head 
taller than everybody, more skilled, more handsome than everybody else, didn't do anything for 40 days. And he kept on offering up his daughter, which doesn't say a lot for his daughter because no man <laughs> stood up for her. Um, <laughs> they're probably trying to like get, get a deal. Like, could we like put her aside and just get the tax break? Because uh, that would be worth it. Um, that's mean, but oh, oh well. Uh, <laughs> but so, so yeah, for 40 days, King Saul did nothing when it was his responsibility to take up the challenge for his people and his nation. And, but the Israelites were doing nothing wrong. But yet we see that David, in the midst of this opposition, in the midst of this trial, David stood out. Unlike the rest of the people. And I wonder sometimes when I read this scripture, do we a lot of times end up camping in our hearts? Where we see the enemy defying God, we see the enemy doing things, and we have become complacent with the problem that is in front of us. Because there's a thin line between contentment and complacency. Contentment means you are happy with where you're at, and that's good. The Bible says to do that. It's wrong not to. But complacent is when you see something's wrong and you have the power to do something about it, yet you do nothing. So a lot of times, the church ends up being like the Israelite army. We're camping. We're shouting. We're praising. We're there at the battlefield, but yet nothing's happening because we're just going through the cycle. I'm kind of going right into it because I only got 20 minutes. So, <laughs> um, But... So then, that's what I want to talk about th this morning is to not camp. And last, last night, uh, Caleb Wolf uh, was talking his uh, girlfriend up on the, uh, uh, about my dad and his stories, right? So he's like, say something, Sean. Like, I've, I've always been the Wolf Boys show and tell, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, like, I'm their Thai friend that they get to show around. Um, and so... <laughs> So I, and, and this morning again, like, come up with a crazy story at the children's home. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I, I love camping. I have a motorbike. I, uh, our trip does a trip every year. And so um, we've done it for three years. And so then uh, I thought, well, I should take my wife out to go camping. So we, 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 we planned to do it. And then we, we started going. Uh, we, we had the truck all prepped. And then we were going camping. So we started driving out up in the mountains. And then she was like kind of nervous, so we were talking about it. And she said, I've only camped once. I was like, so it'll be the same. No, this was in America. Like, this is in Thailand. And I'm like, so what? And it's like, well, we, well, we have snakes here. And it's just like, well, for the record, in America, you have snakes too. Like, and just because ours is called cobra doesn't make it, like, more deadly than a rattlesnake, okay? So I'm getting, like, defensive for my country, right? Like, like, like and you, you, you guys got bears that can eat you, mountain lions. I mean, and, and the list keeps going. In Thailand, we don't have none of those because we ate them all. And so, so all you got to be afraid of is the small stuff. Right? So, uh, so I love camping, so, which is ironic that I'm saying don't camp. But, but with that, after that trip, and we were playing ball, soccer, when I say ball, and, and I found myself getting ready for the game, and I was just, it's like an oriental sunset, 
And our church has have grown has doubled the size since the last time we came here. And so praise God for that. And and so you know the worship leader is doing their job, his job, and the team is doing great. The church is growing. Um, the, we got a youth group that's the size of the church now, like fifty something, and and so things were going good. And and just came back from the bike trip, had an awesome trip with the guys, and, and I was sitting there, and then I kind of let out this deep sigh, as in like, life is good. And then. When I went back home and I read the scripture, and the Lord started speaking to me about the scripture, and the Lord said, you're letting out a sigh when 99% of your people is going to hell just because my church was doing good. Which, for the record, nothing wrong with that. It was just my heart became complacent. Goliath is out there saying that I've got 99% of your people, and I'm here like, ah. In my heart, because I started going through the rhythm of just going to church, pastoring, you know, doing little events for the church, and, and, and then, but I was being complacent because I was just doing my thing in my little bubble while Goliath was out there conquering. And there's nothing wrong with having nice things, for the record. Like, a man's bike in Thailand, motorbike, is like 600 cc. So that's why I got a 750. And then, uh, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life. There's nothing, God has blessed you. You guys, we, you guys, and including me, we're so blessed to be Americans, for the record. It's like we're so blessed to be where we are, and especially in the Northwest, at least, at least we're not in Michigan or something. But, um, <laughs> My wife's from Michigan. Um, but yeah, we're so blessed. And there's nothing wrong with that. You shouldn't feel guilty at all. You shouldn't be, feel guilty about having a savings account. You shouldn't um, feel guilty about having money, nice things, nice car. You shouldn't feel guilty about that at all. But my question to you is, are you camping? Because we all could do a little something more. And so let's go to, uh, let's go to verse 23. I'll focus on that. Verse 23, it says, as he was talking with them, David was talking to him, the champion Goliath came out amongst the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel, his usual taunt. You see, the first thing, the first problem is the problem became a common thing to the Israelites. The problem became something, see, the word usual, when you, when you look at it in the dictionary, is something that's common and ordinary, ordinarily used. It, it, it becomes, it's a fact. It's expected. It's normal. It's normal to have this problem. So if we, if, so in a sense, in the Israelites' heart, they accepted that this was the fact. That's why they, they asked the question, have you seen this guy? This guy is huge. And this is what the king's reward is for whoever defeats him. But yet nobody took him up on the offer because everybody saw the problem, and, but yet they were complacent with it because they were safe in camp. What things in your life are you tolerating that the enemy has? What sin are you tolerating in your life when you should not be tolerating it? What things in your life is happening that isn't the will of God and you know it, but yet you tolerate it instead of battling it. 
You see, have anybody heard of the, uh, the kids that, that were stuck in the cave? Like that became like an international. So what was really interesting to me was how that became international news and focus for like a whole week. Great thing for the record. Like if it wasn't for that, I don't think the boys would have gotten out. And they were most of the football team that was in there was Sean Kids too. And so I, I was looking at that, and then at this, and that was on the news. And during the same week, that got all the attention. But during the same week, down in southern Thailand, there was 120 girls under the age of 12 that was, uh, be, that was being trafficked and has been in a warehouse, been sold as sex slave for two weeks. 120. Where's that on the news? It's because people isn't responding yet to it anymore. It's a normal story. And we, there's all this hype about it, and we put an X in, on, on our hand, yet give nothing to it. And, 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 and if you look at the Bible, when we are saved, our salvation, Jesus, our Savior, our salvation comes with an obligation to serve. It's not, you're not saved just to live life and camp out. You're saved to live life on a mission. I feel it's so sad that pastors got to convince believers to do the Great Commission when Jesus has commanded it. Amen? And I mean, to some of you guys, this is going to hurt, but it's the honest truth. John, John said, if you see a, see a brother in need but yet have no compassion to him, how can you say the love of God is in him? Jesus said, if you love me, do my commandments. Yet the one commandment that he left us with, we think of it as an option. When his disciples looked at it as a lifestyle they needed to live. And then it, it, it's taken lightly in the Christian community to not do that because it's not that big of a deal. It's not a big sin. Eating an apple wasn't a big sin either, but... The common thing was it was disobedience still. And so let's move, move on to verse. So the first thing is usual. What things in your life that are usual that shouldn't be there and that you are tolerating? Let's go to verse 26. It says, David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine, anyways, that he is allowed, everybody say allowed, to defy the armies of the living God. So a thing I want to point out real quick is David just insulted everybody at the camp. Because all of them were there, and he enters into the camp, and he says, wait a second. Why is this guy being allowed to do this? Meaning, he just told the rest of the camp that this problem is here because you let it happen. Totally different perspective because David came in with a different perspective because he came out with the perspective of the promises of God. God said that he would be their protector and their provider. And God said that he would fight their battles for them. And yet they were all scared. See, we have the power to do something, to give something. I don't think it should take three weeks for us to get from there to there. Down here. Let me just be a missionary from Thailand <laughs> advertising for Africa. 
Okay, it shouldn't take three weeks. Well, I can't afford it. Can I just be honest? Okay, I'm not looking for a bigger paycheck or whatever. I'm, I'm just saying you as a Christian and as a believer have a responsibility to do something. It says going, giving, and doing. That's our responsibility, not camping, okay? Like a, a friend of mine is like, you know, I can't, I can't afford to, like I really want to give to your children's home, but I can't afford it. No, the truth, God honest truth is you can't afford not to go to Starbucks four times a week. It's just a matter of what your priority is. It's, that's all that it is. Just say that you don't want to give <laughs> because you can't, go to stop, you can't stop going to Starbucks. By the way, nothing against Starbucks, okay? I love Starbucks. Gift cards for Starbucks are received. Uh, received. <laughs> so David said, you allowed this. We can't allow the devil to take hold in our lives and take hold in the lives of those around us. We have to do something about it. It's our responsibility. And you, some of you, you, you guys that are smart and know the Bible and all this, you might say, well, that's works. No, it's living out of surrender. If you're doing it just because you need to do it and you're checking off a list, now that's works. But if you're surrendering to Christ, then you're just following his orders. See, it's hard to understand kingdom perspective from a democratic mindset. My country has a king. What the king says goes. You don't have an opinion. See, as for Americans, we're trained to say, you have an opinion. But no, 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 no. When it comes to kingdom mentality, there is no opinion. But the good news is your king loves you and wants the best for you and he wants to bless you. But the fact of the matter is, is he's king and you're not. <laughs> there's no American pride in the kingdom of God. There's, there's a, right? So you have to understand, it's not a choice. It's what we're called to do. And like I said, I think it's so sad that pastors got to convince us to do what Jesus has said, which is to disciple and teach others to obey him. Okay, let's go to verse 29, and I'll end with this. He said, what have I done? David re replied, I was only asking a question. He walked over to the others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then the, David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. Um, if I could have the band or the uh, piano player to, to come up as we uh, transition out of the message, that would be great. What have I done now? King James translated uh, that as, um, is there not a cause? Meaning, is there not a reason for me questioning this? And guess who's the one that came against him? It's his brother. It's never the enemy, <laughs> a lot of times, that first comes against you. It's your brother. In Thailand, our number one enemy is the church, not the Buddhist people. They're like, well, we all go to the same place, Buddhist people believe. But the church is the ones like, well, you got to be registered. you got to be under our um, uh, denomination. you gotta, you, you got to register before you plant a church. you you got to do this. you got to graduate from that. And, and so his brother comes against him. He's like, what do you think you're doing? I know your heart. 
you, you're just full of pride. That's why you're trying to put down everybody else. And that's why you're questioning this. Go back and do your old job, which is tending to sheep. His brother came against him. And David's like, what have I done now? What have I done now? And to me, to me, a lot of times when I look at this story, David's victory in protecting his own passion is a lot of time greater than his victory over Goliath. Because without him protecting his passion and reason and cause, he would have never went out to fight Goliath. And a lot of times I see in our Christian church, we get to that point where, where, where we're excited. We, we, we all of a sudden get pulled to tears by a video. And, and then, and then we, we say, well, we're going to give to that. And then we go home and have lunch. And then we're like, oh, that's okay. I'll just maybe tomorrow. And then tomorrow turns into next month and then next year. And at the end, what God had put into your heart to do now all of a sudden becomes an option for you. For you. What God put in your heart, like not everybody is going to be moved to go to Thailand. Not everybody is going to be moved to pastor. But as believers, we're called to go out and reach those around us, disciple those around us, love those around us, love those that are abroad. And if you can't go to Africa yourself, then maybe you could pick up a hundred dollars of that but you have to do something something that's all I'm saying as a missionary you got to do something you got to give you got to serve we can't just camp because if we camp we're just being disobedient see if the enemy can't stop us he'll just distract us and that's that's how I felt like I became I got distracted by ministry you have to have this sense of urgency that you got to do something. you got to tweak something in your life to be able to be more impactful. Can I come from the east and come, come from the east and say to the west, things that I see that pe people could do easily. For example, your homes. We with our homes, with our money. But for the record, this is Sean Mahawan translation. Paul said, that you may think about it, think of the idea, you may work your butt off for it, you may invest your heart into it, but at the end, God gave it to you. And we have guest rooms here that we're inconvenienced when there's a guest in it, you know? Like one, one time I was here, here in the States and there was this young man who was going to Bible school, he was struggling and he, this older couple had two guest rooms I know of in their, their house and he was saying, I'm going to get kicked out of my apartment, I can't afford it. So, so what does this couple do? They say, well, let us pray for you. And I'm there like, what is there to pray about? Say, bro, you can stay in our house for a few months and get back on your feet and then you can move out. What would Jesus do? Instead, we do the Christian cop-out. I'll pray about it. <laughs> I'm just saying, expand your heart and expand your life. And maybe this week, we can get from there to there because we actually felt like, wow, this is a good cause. This is something that would change people's life and kids' life in Africa. And then, and then from there, 
from that place of, of passion. Don't let that go away. Act on it. He said Jesus was moved with compassion. It didn't say Jesus felt compassion and went home and then slept well in his bed. He said he was moved and then he made that in action. Love is a verb. Amen? All right, let's pray. Dear Lord God, I would like to just thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word this morning. And I pray, Lord, that in each and every one of our hearts, Lord God, I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you begin to minister to us and show us in which ways can we live our life broader and wider and be more impactful to those around us and those that are way across in Africa and Thailand. We just give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. God is so good. God is so good. And I'm telling you what, New Horizon, I think the funnest thing about being a pastor is being able to bring to the, you, the people, things that are bigger, broader, farther than anywhere that you would go and be and do on your own. Amen. And this church is filled, filled with people who are giving and going and doing. We are all filled with the mission field, even if you don't get on an airplane or a boat or a train, you are filled with the mission field. I wanna point out to you, this picture over here was taken in Thailand when we were there a couple of years ago with, uh, with all the young kids. We were able to get into a Buddhist school. Those children are Buddhist children in a Buddhist school, but I it says the Gospel of John. Now this one happens to be upside down. I saw that when we blew the picture up. So, I'm sure eventually he flipped it over right side up, but we gave them all Gospels of John right underneath a Buddhist. Come on, a Buddha was standing right over the top of him. Hallelujah, but you know what? We are just mere vessels being used. This is a picture of a lot of the kids over in Uganda that this last trip that we went to. You are all a part of this. Even if you never get on a plane or if you never get on a train, you are still a part of the missions here at New Horizon. You're a part of our local missions. In the book, it talks about a whole page of what we do here. You don't always have to leave to be a missionary, amen? How many of you guys are missionaries when you go to work every day? So we are very, very busy around here being missionaries one way or the other, giving, going, and doing. But I want to take just a moment. I know it's five minutes past when we got to let out, but if you will just let the Lord right now just work in your heart. I'm just going to have a few more minutes of your time. I've been reading all sorts of books about missionaries. The stories are incredible. And next week I'm going to preach and I'm going to bring some of those to you and it's going to be really fun. But I think the thing that just moves my heart all the time about these stories is that most of them started in a church where they were sitting in church just a regular day and they felt the Lord really knock on their door that said, I'm calling you out of your complacency, out of the place that you are, and I'm calling you to go. Now, sometimes you're gonna be called to go as a life and give your life up as a true missionary. Some of you are gonna be called to go on a short-term mission field. Some of you are gonna be called to just begin to activate right where you're at. But right now, I want to just take a moment as we sing this last song, that you would allow the Lord to activate what God would love to send you to. He wants to send you. He wants to send you as an ambassador of him out into
into this world. And like I said, you could be being sent across the world. You could be being sent there for a short term, a long term. You could be just being sent out into this dark world as a light in your own sphere. But I would love for you right now, if you would for me, we're gonna take just a minute. I want you to reach in your purses and your wallets right now and get out something to give into our water project today to get it started. I, uh, Marcy, are you here? Nope. Uh, Derek, I want you to go in the kitchen. There's a jar sitting on the counter. I want you to fill it up with clean water because as we were sitting down here, I got a text, bring it to me. The jar full of clear water. I got a text as I was sitting down here. Someone has already pledged one jar and he's ready to do it. So let's get this thing off the ground. Let's kick this whole project out of the water. And let's make this thing happen. And while you're doing that, I just we're gonna we're gonna be doing some worship. These jerry cans are up here for your gift to get started. We're gonna fill these things up. But I also want you to respond, respond in your heart to allowing the Lord to send you somewhere. And maybe, just maybe, across this nation, uh, as people are sitting in churches, that God is calling a new generation. It's pretty funny because these missionaries that we just had here today, these are young kids. I remember changing his diaper, or maybe not. I don't know. But he was in diapers when he was at my house. And now he is, now he is a missionary himself, full time. Next week, we're gonna have another missionary couple that are young, they're in their early 20s, they're getting ready to go out. I'm telling you what, God is activating the next generation. He is activating the next, next generation. You know, we sit and we watch the old guys dying off and we think, what in the world is God gonna do in the world without Billy Graham? We're all gonna die now, right? It's all falling apart. No, God says, I am in the business of activating the next generation. Let's all stand right now. Let's all stand right now. Hallelujah. Right now, this jar is going to replace. Let's see, which one? Should we start on this end? Hallelujah. You know who you are that texted me? Look at what you just did. Look at what you just did. Put it in the jerry can. Oh, you're going to put it on the jar. You can go right ahead. Do it. Do it. Do it. Hallelujah. 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 Come on up. But when you come and you bring your gift, I want you to stay up here because I want the Lord to begin to act your life. Come on up. If you brought your gifts, stay up here. I want you to stay up here. And then also, if you want to, come on up. If you feel the Lord is activating your heart, come on up, gift or no gift. Because we're going to worship and we're going to allow the Lord to activate our souls, activate our hearts, and get us prepared. And look at this. We're going to cover up so many jars today. I'm so excited. Come on up. Stay here. Stay here. Stay here because I want you to pray over it. Come here. Come on. Come on back here. Stay here. Maybe just stand back so others can put their money in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up to the air right now and say, Father, God, activate me. Activate
Jesus' name.